Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. Well, Justin's son, um, you, last time he was preaching here at Cyprus, uh, he mentioned his son, Kale, and Kale is awesome. He has so much energy. He's always running around, and it's great because he's in soccer, and he's always got these cool soccer teams that he's playing on. And I, every time I get to talk with Justin about uh, Kale playing soccer, it makes me think of my own childhood where I played soccer too. Grew up years playing soccer. And uh, I, there was one memorable year. Um, I don't know if you guys played sports growing up as kids, but there's one year that always sticks out to me. And it, was, it was the year I was going into my my uh, middle school years, uh, junior high, and uh, I remember that year specifically because we lost every game that season. (laughs) Every last game. Uh, We practiced every week. We we listened to our coach. We tried again and again, and sure enough, as as the season ended, we had not won a single game. So you can imagine my illustrious soccer career ended after that time. I'm like, I'm done. I don't want any more of soccer. And I share that because that's just a funny memory that I have. But um, man, I feel like sometimes in life, that can happen to us, right? We try really hard uh, and we work at it at our best, but we just never seem to measure up. Our boss just seems to keep raising the bar every time we meet. And the, our, we can never, as hard as we work, get our grades up to where they should be. Or we can never live up to those expectations that that family member has for us. It just never seems to be good enough. And so that can lead us in a place that's discouraging, a place that's depressing. What do we do in moments like that? And I think sometimes this can be what our life with God can be like too. Because we come to church, we read God's word, we talk to other Christians, and we, see, we hear all these ways that a Christian should act like, all the things that a Christian should be. And we think, that's not me. I mean, that sounds cool. I'd like to do that. But man, that's like up here. I'm down here. That's not what life is actually like for me. And so we end up asking this question, how does this ideal sit up here when I, my real is down here? We hear what God's calling us to. Yeah, God, I see that, but I'm down here. How do I get to what you're calling me to? And so you'll see on the screen this little graph here uh, that as, as we go through time, hopefully that our spiritual maturity grows up. As you grow up and you go to school and you know all that thing, you grow in maturity, you learn new things, you become a, new, uh, a more mature person. And that's how spiritual life works too. You grow and you learn and you get tricks and tips and you get better at this and your experience teaches you about this. Well, what happens with our spiritual maturity is that hopefully over time we're growing, but we still see that ideal up there. That, that when we read the Bible, it says that you should be kind to everyone. It says you should be patient, <laughs> which is a little harder to do. It says that you should be wise in everything you do, forgiving towards people, that you should be pure. And we read these things in the Bible that God says, you should be this way. And we think, oh, man, I see that ideal up there. Sounds great, but my real is right here. What's the deal? What is the problem with me? Am I a failure at Christianity? Am I letting God down? And so we wonder about this. And sometimes 
we come to the place where we respond in a couple different ways. So this is the problem. We need to find a solution, right? If God is calling us up here to this ideal, be forgiving, be kind, be pure, be patient, how do we get there from here where we're actually at? Well, there's a few responses that when we face this discouragement that kind of get kicked into gear. So let's walk through those. If you've got your sermon outline, you've got some space to write down there. Um, and if, uh, if you're uh, into that, you can kind of jot these ideas down. Um, one of them is that uh, we can respond with pretense. We say, we just fake it. <laughs> we come to church with a plastic smile on because we're like, man, I don't want everyone to find out that I don't measure up to what the Bible says I should be. I don't want them to see that darkness inside me. So we just kind of smile and don't talk about it. Another response, a second one, would be uh, this, between this disparity of the real and ideal, we despair. And we just give up. We say, man, who can live that way? That's impossible. I can't do that. So we either give up or we just say, I'm going to lower the bar for myself. I don't want to feel discouraged about where I'm at with God all the time. So, you know, if I sin here and there, if I don't help that person, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Like, right? (laughs) Which is sometimes easy to say, right? But that's not really a good response either. Another one would be programmatic and personal solutions. So we come up with our own solutions to close the gap between our ideal and our real. And solutions can, they could be anything, but then they're still human inventions. So they don't quite work. And then worse yet, sometimes we turn around and we tell other people, if you just read the book that I read that changed my life, God would change you for sure. If you just joined that Bible study that I did that was good for me, that's what you need in your life. If you just went to this conference, if you just served at this place, she does. And how can a one-size-fits-all solution work with all the diverse places that we're coming from as Christians. If God is an infinite God that works personally in every person's life, he can't be fit into one box that if everyone read this one book, we would all do better. So that doesn't really work either. Fourth, uh, we might just try to work harder. Some of us have built businesses from the ground. We've built families from scratch. We've started over. And so we look at our spiritual life and we say, I can do this. I'm just going to knuckle up and work hard. I'm going to get there, by golly. And if we're honest with ourselves, that usually doesn't work either. (laughs) And it just leaves us more exhausted at the end of the day. Uh, One last thing is that um, it reminds me of a story, this uh, ministry activism. Uh, I was sitting in my office. I used to lead a college ministry at the church I used to work at previous to now, and uh, I had a student sitting in my office, and he said something that I love. I always was waiting for students to say. This college kid was like, hey, Carrie, how do I get involved in more ministry? What Bible studies can I join? And I was like, awesome, man. Let's do it. Let's get you plugged in. And he said, yeah, you know, because I just keep fighting with sin and losing. I can't face these temptations anymore. So if I get in more Bible studies, Carrie, if I'm in a Bible study every night, if I'm serving at the church all the time, I'll be too busy to sin. (laughs) And, you know, there's a little laughter because, like, that doesn't really work either. Yes, you'll be busier, but filling your life, and some of us in this room have tried this and can agree, filling your life with more ministry busyness or busyness in general that's good stuff It may push off some sinner temptations, but it doesn't solve them. And so we've got these five responses, and we're saying, God, how do we do this? How do we get to this ideal that you want us to live, the Christian life? What's the answer? 
Well, we're going to look at that. And I just wanted to bring up those five responses to say, just be aware of those. Be careful. And don't do them. Because <laughs> there's a better way. And we're going to get to that just in a second. So we're going to look at four proposed answers to how do we grow in God? How does God truly grow us? How do we get from a place to being saved and converted to a place of spiritual maturity where we're really clicking with God and growing every year, every day? So um, we're going to go back through these, uh, these four theories for how we grow in Christ uh, with God. We actually, they were in, in the life group guide, so your life group may have gone through them this past week. But we're going to go back through them because I need to elaborate a little bit more on them. So if you were in your life group in that, awesome. You can jot down some notes. If you're not in a life group or anything, uh, you weren't able to do that, I'd say just pick up the study guide out in the lobby. It's at the resource center. You can pick it up, and it's got answers to all the blanks in our sermon today. It's got a additional resources, it's got extra verses you can look up, and it's got a few questions to help you apply what we're learning today in your life this week. So make sure you check that out. That's a good resource for you out at the Resource Center. Uh, So we need, based on these responses, based on the ideal is up here and the real is here, we need divine help. We cannot do this all on our own. And so how does God grow us? As we understand how he does, it'll help us know how we're going to grow. So the first one is going to be the zap theory. It's that we just wait around and God reaches his divine hand down and zaps the spiritual maturity into us. We just let go and let God, we sit on the couch and do nothing because we're just humans. We can't do anything. And God just zaps the maturity into us. We say, God, customer's always right. So if you want me to be holy, you better make me holy. Bam. You better make me obedient. Bam. You better make me pure. Bam. And we just sit there and wait for him to do it. The reason why this isn't really accurate to what the Bible describes is going to be when we find in 2 Peter 1.5. That's going to be a a verse that's going to elaborate a little bit more on why this might not be quite the theory we're looking for. So 2 Peter, you don't have to flip there if you don't want to, but I'm in 2 Peter 1, uh, chapter 5, and it says that he says, when he's writing to his first century Christian audience, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and then he goes on and on and on. Make every effort. So there's actually a part that we are supposed to play in growing deeper with God. Okay, so let's move on to another theory, the cause and effect theory. Um, Some people believe that we work to earn God's God's transformation in our lives. So we we work up some good deeds and then we give them to God and God's like, hey, you did a lot of good stuff. Okay, I'm going to help you grow. Um, And this ends up being kind of like a contract with God. Hey, I'll fulfill my part, you fulfill your part, and if I end up feeling like I'm in a spiritually stagnant place, or then I could look at God and say, hey, oh, you know what, maybe I deserve to be spiritually stagnant because I didn't work hard enough. Or we can look at God and say, hey, you're not holding up your end of the bargain, God. I did all this good stuff. You owe it to me to make me grow. I don't know if you can guess, but that's not really how it works either in real life. That's not what the Bible describes either. Uh, It's because we can't coerce God to grow us. God isn't some heavenly vending machine that we drop good deed tokens into and manipulate to make us grow in a way that we want. And we see that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul writes to them, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit... 
Are you now being perfected by the flesh? And what he means is you're begun by the Spirit. God himself, God the Spirit, came and saved you, converted you. You were regenerated. And now this perfecting is you growing from that point forward. If God did all this work to save you initially, are you doing all the work to grow yourself from that point? No. You didn't do all the work to save yourself in the first place. It's not all up to you to grow yourself now, too. So that theory doesn't work either. Let's go on to another one. This next is the willpower theory. And it may be a little familiar to one of our responses. It's that uh, sometimes we believe that it's God saved us, but it's all up to us. We don't just earn uh, God's attention to make him make us grow. We grow us. It's like going to the gym. Like, okay, God, thanks for the cross. You saved me. Now the rest of the Christian life... I'm going to grow myself. Um, and again, this can play to our, you know, kind of started up, do-it-yourself spirit, the entrepreneurial individual spirit that we have uh, here. And, uh, but it doesn't work either. It just ends up being exhausted and, and, uh, and us being disillusioned again. What is the solution then? Well, you're probably guessing and you're probably right. It's the fourth one. It's the fourth one on the list here. And that's because that's the one that's rooted in Scripture. Um, what does the Bible say? How we grow spiritually. We're going to dive into Scripture and check it out. John 15. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. And this is the where we were through our all-church focus uh, throughout the start of our fall year. So it'll, it might be some familiar territory to you. Our ushers can lend you a Bible if you'd like one. So they're going to come down the aisles. And if you'd like a Bible, just raise up your hand or give them a look and they'll be happy to help you out. And it'll be awesome. We're going to be in John 15, again, the Gospel of John. And we're going to be going into verse 4. So I'd love for you to flip there. John 15, verse 4. Let's check out what God says about how we truly grow in him. So John 15, verse 4, abide in me and I in you. Whenever we read the Bible, we have to ask who's talking. Right here, it's Jesus. Jesus is talking. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples, to his followers. And we are followers of Jesus, so we can listen to this too, like he's talking to us. Verse 4 continues, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's what Jesus is saying to his followers. He's saying, I'm this vine and you need me to grow. You need me to do good works, to bear fruit. But there's still a part that you are playing. You're bearing fruit. And so there's this cooperation happening. It's not our, our growth in God is not all up to us, but it's not also only up to God. He in his divine wisdom is chosen to help work with us together. It's cooperation and it's a relationship. When Jesus says, abide in me, he's saying, hey, stick with me, remain with me. This is a relationship here. I'm going to empower you to grow. And then that's how it's going to work. So Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians would kind of talk about this too, uh, when he would reflect on this idea. And in Philippians uh, chapter 4, 
This may be a verse that you can recognize. Chapter 4, verse 13. He says, I can do all things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. So there's a part to play for Paul. He says, I can do all these great things. I can do it. How can I do it? Because Jesus gives me the strength to empower me to do it. It's a cooperative effort. It's a relationship. So does anyone remember um, the first time you drove yourself somewhere? Oh, man, the first time you drove yourself across town to pick something up or visit a friend, and you're like, oh, man. I remember the first time I did that in my parents, you know, minivan. And uh, I was like, oh, the power. I can go wherever I want. The freedom. This is so cool. I'm unstoppable. And then, hey, can I have some gas money? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? Like, hey, can I borrow your car? Hey, can you tell me where the directions are to go to this place? So, you know, on some level, it still took my effort to drive across town. I still had to push the pedal down and turn the wheel, but it still was way more on my parents to actually purchase and own the car and maintain it and pay for gas and everything too. So we both had a part to play to make it happen for me to progress across town. My part was a little smaller than all of the investment that my parents made. And that's how it is with God, too. Jesus says, hey, you can't do anything without me, but there's still some things that you need to make an effort towards. We give a little bit of our effort because we're just small human beings, and God says, that's awesome. Me and my infinite wisdom, I'm going to empower you to grow in these cool ways. And so it's cooperation. So the relationship is so key. So our series so far, you've seen it on all of our flyers, so it's called Leaning In. So how do we lean in to abide in Christ? How does this actually work? What do we do, knowing what we've just learned, to lean in and to grow? Well, some suggestions have kind of percolated through history as people, Christians, have kind of talked about this issue and thought about it for centuries. And some of those practices that have come up, those exercises, have been called spiritual disciplines. And that's what our series is really about. Spiritual disciplines are exercises, just like when you go to the gym and, you know, you do that one exercise to do those muscles, and then you do the one exercise for those muscles. There's different exercises that can stretch you, grow you spiritually, spiritually, and put you in a place where God can empower growth in your life. And so spiritual disciplines are spiritual because they move us further and further from sin and further and further close to being like Christ, that ideal. And they're also disciplines because they take effort. <laughs> they take time. It takes focus, kind of a stick to to do them. And so we've been through a couple of those before. Victor uh, taught us about the spiritual discipline of worship, that to worship from different places and different postures, celebration and communion. And then last week we heard from Pastor John, and he taught us about the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude, that like a plant being placed in the sunlight, a plant says, I got everything I need to grow, I don't need anyone. And then it's like, well, you do need the sun. <laughs> so... Put yourself in the sun, and then you'll be able to blossom. If we put ourselves in God's sunlight by doing disciplines like this, by do, working out, spiritually exercising, then God's sunlight can help us flourish, help us thrive. So what do we do with that? What are some, we talked about worship, we talked about silence and solitude. I'm here to say there's a few more 
that are really key that I'd love you to learn about. So back in John 15, let's see if there's a few more things that Jesus wanted to teach his followers. And so we're going to start from there. John 15, he teaches how to abide in him. And then he says in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then it's so important, he kind of repeats it in verse 17. These things I command you, that you love one another. It's interesting that he says, I command you. This isn't like, hey, it'd be cool if you guys did this, you know. (laughs) He's like, I want you to love each other. Go for it. So it's interesting that Jesus would say that and say, you guys love each other with the same kind of sacrificial love that God has loved you with. Okay, so that's a big charge. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, the guy back in the first century, he wrote a letter to, a couple letters to some churches, and he picks this theme back up. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4, where he picks up this theme again. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 10. We're still in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, i.e. he paid the punishment that we should have served. Uh, beloved, verse 11, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, all these verses to say, hey, take a look at how God loved you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you, to set you free from sin. Think about that kind of love, accept it, and then turn around and give that love to other people. Give that love to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow Christians. That's what John is saying. So how can we obey all of God's instructions to love others? Well, it's kind of what we talked about first. Well, start by knowing people. It's hard to love people if you don't even communicate with them. (laughs) I mean, I can say I love pizza, but that's a totally different definition of love than I love, you know, my friend or my brother in Christ. You need to actually know that guy in order to love him. So get to know each other. We obey God's instructions to love other people by being rooted in quality Christian community. That's the secret. That's how we follow through on these commands. And so when we think about who God is, it actually kind of makes sense. We sang some songs this morning, even uh, that last song about how holy, holy God is a trinity, in trinity. God in three persons, blessed trinity. So there's the Father, God, there's God the Son, and there's God the Spirit. And God is actually, from the beginning of all eternity, been in community, in relationship. And so if God is in the perfect, best relationship ever, and then he goes and creates human beings in his image, that means we are designed to do life in community too. We're not meant to be lone rangers. We're meant to be in relationship with other people. And so we see that here. So sometimes, just by way of illustration, sometimes we wish that the Christian life was like jumping in an old classic Corvette. And we're like, you know what? Just Jesus and me. We're going to have a good time. But life is actually a little bit more like jumping in this VW bus. Um, You know, not quite as glamorous. (laughs) I tried to get a red one so at least it looked nice. But um, this is a little bit more what Christian life is like. Jesus walked all over this earth, like in his ministry in his earth, with 12 disciples. All together, life in community. 
This is a little bit more like maybe a little slower, maybe a little more cumbersome, maybe not as exciting, but with people together helping each other out, getting to the goal together. So that's why that's on your, uh, your outline, and just think about that. Um, if anyone has a cool VW van like that, I'd, I'd love to jump in it and get to check that out. <laughs> um, so how do we live together with Christians when God grows us? It's often through others. So lean in and do life, share life with your sisters and brothers. That's what we can walk away with. So two years ago, Emily and I were brand new at this church. We had just just come here. We pretty much didn't know anybody, but then we got invited into a life group. And our life group ended up being an awesome, cool place to get to know people, to get to share life and all that. And it ended up being a really cool place where people really cared about each other, which was really good because we actually had four people in our life group lose a parent, uh, had a parent pass away in just like the past year or two. And so our life group ended up becoming this great place for them to grieve, to share, to talk about what they were going through, and to get prayer and support from their fellow life group friends. Oh, there's my mic back on. So our life group ended up being a place where we could do community together. And you need that as a Christian because sometimes we need a hug. Sometimes we need a hug. That's one of your blanks. And, And that's why we need Christian community. So When God comforts us, it's often through others. So lean in and do life with your sisters and brothers. Now, maybe you're thinking, nah, I tried a small group before. They didn't accept me, or they were always just riding these hobby horses that they had their own agendas, or they they had really bad snacks, Carrie. I mean, come on. What kind of group has like these like stay a little veggie tray? I mean, come on. Um, and what I would say to you is, uh, okay, you know, some groups aren't the greatest, but, uh, but try another one. They're not all the same. So Emily and I went, I went out to eat this week and the food was not that great. <laughs> we're not going to go back to the place again. It was pretty bad, but that doesn't mean we're never going to eat out again. We're just going to try a different restaurant the next time. So try a different group. Get out there. It's worth it to be in community and have people investing in your life. So one way is to join one of our church's awesome life groups. And so I would just say, man, give it a try. We've got groups open. Open your worship folder and pull out that connection card inside and just check life group. Put your name on there. Put your number. Turn it in. And we'd love to get you signed up for one. Give it a try. You'll be grateful you did. And the people in your group will probably be grateful you're there too. So remember that gap and remember how do we get from the ideal, from the real up to the ideal? Well, a big part of it is being rooted in quality Christian community. And a life group or small group is one way you do that. When God grows us, it's often through others. So lean in to share life with your sisters and brothers. Well, another way we're going to see in 1 Peter 4. So let's flip there. 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 8, he says to his Christian readers, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. How do we do that, Peter? How are we supposed to love other people earnestly? Well, here's two examples, everybody. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hmm, That sounds like hosting a group. And 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So one way that we love each other is by serving each other. And this may come as a surprise again, but how do we serve each other? 
We have to actually know other people and be in quality Christian community. Again, that's how we know who to serve. Sometimes we need a hand. Sometimes we need a hand. And so this, uh, this made me think about, um, you know, my relationship with Emily. And you can think about your deepest relationships too. I could say like, man, I really want to serve my wife. But in order to serve her well, I need to actually like talk to her every once in a while. I need to actually be around her. Like, <laughs> because I could say, I really want to serve her. But if I don't know her, how am I going to serve her? How do I even know what she needs or what she wants help with? That's the same way with Christian community. If, if I need to be served or I am called by God to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ, I need to actually know people and be plugged in and know what they might need and how I can help them and how they might help me. So Christian community is where it comes back. When God helps us, it's often through others. So lean in and share life with your sisters and brothers. So not long ago, a man came to our church, and uh, he ended up joining the grief share ministry. He'd actually lost his wife. Um, she had passed away. And he found a really cool community there. Every Thursday night, he was plugged in, and he found a safe place to share his hurts and his grief and to find healing. And so grief share ended up being a group, a community of people where he could really get a hand in being being served and find a way out of that tragedy. And so I'd encourage you, that's just one example of people serving others, but if there's anything that um, you would love to, the, any reason why you might want to join one of our support groups, we've got a bunch out there. We've got a Grief Share, we've got Cancer Companions, we've got AA, we've got all these cool groups meeting on campus. And again, pull that connection card out, write on it, turn in the offering as it goes by later in the service. We'd love to get you plugged in. Go ahead and look and seek out the helping hand that you might need. Great options out there. Now, someone might object, hey, I got no addictions here, no cancer, no deaths, no big deal. I'm doing fine. My life, look, my life's going okay. I don't need a group. Well, then I would suggest to you, maybe someone else does need a hand and you could be the one to provide it. Maybe if you're not in a place where you need to be served right in this moment, even though most of us do, um, you still could be the one that's serving someone else. And so be on the lookout. Make sure you're in community in some way so that you can serve others like God has called us to. Sometimes we need a hug. Sometimes we need a hand. And third, sometimes we need a swift kick in the pants. It's true. Let me explain. Let me explain. If you don't believe me, check out Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... That means sin. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted, but bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So brothers and sisters who might be caught in sin, we're saved, but we still struggle with sin from time to time and here and there. And so don't let your sin, your brokenness, sit and never have anyone around to help you out of it. A true Christian brother or sister is someone who comes along to you and says, hey, I want to call you out, but I also want to help pick you up. I want to help dust you off. I want to help you join us and get back on track. That's what good Christian friends do. And uh, James, the literal brother of Jesus, he would write later on in James 5, verse 16. You'd say, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
So he's saying, hey, this is part of the regular Christian life. This is part of spiritual health, of spiritual maturity. True, mature, growing Christians confess their sin to another trusted Christian and, and have that person help give them a hand out of that hole that they've fallen into. Um, when God helps us or when God corrects us, it's often through others. So lean in and share life with your Christian sisters and brothers. Um, so my soccer career had been cut short. Remember that? <laughs> so I had to try something else. So I ended up joining the cross-country team. And I'm like, oh, no goals to score here. I think I'll be safe. And so uh, we were at an invitational one time in high school, and uh, we were waiting for the races to start. So a bunch of uh, teammates of mine ended up playing a little pickup football game. And they're tossing the football around. They're having a good time. They're laughing until my coach found out. And he, I, we did not see this coming. He runs in there, pulls out a knife, and slashes the football in pieces, and it drops to the ground in these limp pieces. And then he turns and he lights into these guys. And, and at first they're like, whoa, easy, old man. We're just playing football. Big deal. What is your problem? But we ended up coming to understand, as he explained to all of us, that you guys have lost focus. We're at this race to compete, to do our best, to represent our school, and to help our teammates. What are you doing playing football and you're wasting all of your energy and your time when you should be saving that for the race? And so what our teammates needed to hear was someone to help them get back on track, someone with the vision to keep them on focus, someone with the guts to tell them, hey, this is where we're going. This is what our goals are. And I don't know if they quit the team after that, but that was a pretty crazy experience. But I just think, man, that's how our lives as Christians are. We need someone who comes alongside us and says, hey, this is the race marked out for us that God has called us to. So don't get distracted. Don't get pulled away with these other things. Come on, let's go this way. Let me help you out. Let me pick you up, dust you off, help you get back on track. When God corrects us, it's often through others. And so lean in and share life with your your sisters and brothers. Sometimes we need a kick in the pants. Uh, so a question for you is, do you have a trusted Christian friend like that? And if you don't, how can you get one? Um, if you have a friend who can dream, laugh, and cry with you, but do you have someone who can give you a kick in the pants every time you might need it? Um, I, in the Christian world, we call this an accountability partner often. And uh, it's someone that can live life next to you. And they call you out and help you stay free from sin and help you come back from sin because they love you. That is real Christian love. So if you don't have one like this, get one. <laughs> go go ask somebody. Um, and if there's a friend you already have that like you already have a great relationship with, but just not that kind of one, get a, get a feel for like how you might do that with them. Now, some of you might hear this and say, oh, come on. That sounds like a lame tip for weak Christians. Someone to like look, stick their nose in my life all the time and be breathing down my neck telling me when I'm sinning or not. Come on. But we do need people to keep us in check. Take an honest look at your life. Is it sinless? Are you perfect yet? <laughs> we need help. 
Um, so look for someone who can do that for you. And, and, and our enemy is out there. He has thousands of years of experience of trying to tempt and ruin Christians. And he's got armies at his disposal. Get yourself some help. And if you'd like to learn more about what being an accountability partner looks like and stuff, I would encourage you to go again out to our resource center in the lobby. And we've got flyers that are all about this specifically, and you can pick one up. It'll be a great resource for you. Maybe you're also thinking, man, I know God said that I should confess sin to people. I'm reading it in James 5, 16 right now, but I, I don't want anyone to see the darkness that's deep in here. I don't know if I could share that. I don't even share some of my dreams with people, much less the struggles and the failures that I have. And I would say find someone and just start small. Start small and, and, and try it out. It's worth it for your spiritual growth. It's worth it so that God is honored. So try it out. Lastly, God wants us to be rooted in Christian community because sometimes we need a tip. Sometimes we need a tip. We need wisdom and advice from other people. And so Titus uh, shows us this. When Paul wrote to his pastor friend Titus in chapter 2, verse 3, he said, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children. So older women, teach the younger women how to do it. Teach from your experience. And then he says the same thing to the guys. He says in verse 6, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. So older men too, be an example to the younger folks and help them along. Be in Christian community. The only way that we can share our wisdom with people that we've learned in our experience is by being in community again. And so when God empowers us through other wise people, yeah, he does it through others. And so lean in to share life with your sisters and brothers. Um, in, in the Christian world, we often call this mentorship. And uh, that's just where anyone who has at least some more experience in some area just goes to someone with a little less experience and says, hey, let's talk about this. Let me not just tell you a few tips I've learned. Let me have you watch my life and maybe can learn from from my mistakes, from my failures. So you don't have to make those mistakes on your own. <laughs> so, man, I would say if, if you need parenting advice, if you need marriage coaching, if you need career coaching, if you need, man, even just anything about following Christ, how do I do this? Find an older or a wiser person and and have them share in your life. Don't we say, man, Carrie, I don't know anybody like that. Like, no one's going to want to share in my life. Well, I'd say, just look around here to someone you respect and then ask them to go to lunch or to grab a cup of coffee. See where it goes. Maybe it'll turn into a, a consistent, awesome relationship where they're like totally invested in your life. Maybe it won't. But then remember like the restaurant or the life group? Try another one. <laughs> Try someone else. See who's available and who connects with you. And let that be a resource to you. Um, no leader is ever truly self-made. Um, we all have mentors that speak into our lives. And I'm, I'm delighted to say that I've had a lot of people pour into my life that I would not be anywhere close to where I am today without their mentorship and their uh, touch to my life. So how do we share God's wisdom with others? How do we obey that command from him? Well, we live in Christian community again. When God empowers us, it's often through others. So lean in to share life with your sisters and brothers.
Well, as I was studying these passages and thinking about how all this came together, I, I was thinking, well, man, what do I do with this? What does this mean, God, for me? How do I apply this? And I thought, well, I've got a pretty awesome life group. You've got, you might have seen them already on the screen. They're great. Um, and I've got some really cool mentors that God's blessed me with too. But I think back to that accountability partner one, I think, man, besides my wife, I don't really have a friend in that kind of way that can give me a swift kick in the pants when I need it. And so I need to be more strategic with one or two of my friendships to ask them to say, hey, is this something we could do together? Um, so that I'm on track, you're on track, and we're growing genuinely deeper with God as we help each other out. That's something I need to look into. And I wonder, what is it for you? What relationship do you need to add in that maybe you don't have? Or what relationship might you already have that you need to just be more strategic about? Go ahead and explore that. Not just for your benefit, but you being in that community, you will benefit others too. It'll be so good for everyone involved. And so I'd say jump in, jump in that VW van with some quality Christian friends. That's how God designed us to grow. And that's, that'll be what'll be best for you. If you need that hug, if you need a hand, if you need a kick, or if you need a tip, Christian community is where God often works and how you could get it. So as you grow closer to God, he'll be glorified. So let's remain in the vine. When God grows us, it's often through others. So lean in and share life with your sisters and brothers. Join with me in a word of prayer as we close. God, thank you so much uh, for the ways that you have provided um, a church, uh, a, a place for us to be together. God, that uh, we don't need to chase the world down looking for someone to talk to us about our faith, um, someone to help us grow. God, you've provided a family of people right here. And so we pray, God, that you would use our church, our small groups, our uh peer-on-peer relationships to really help us grow. And God, we pray that we would be truly rooted in community and rooted in you. God, give us courage (laughs) to ask people those hard questions of, hey, will you help me with this? God, give us courage to try new things with people. And God, we pray all the while that we would be abiding in you. Thank you so much, God, that you chose to invest in us and bring us to this point already. We give ourselves to you, and we thank you for what you've done already in our lives. Amen.